Welcome to the Age of Audio. My name's Graham Brown from the award-winning podcast agency Pickle & Co. The Age of Audio is a series of conversations with thought leaders and changemakers in the world of audio. That's podcast, radio, and social audio converging with big data to create engaging and authentic content for a new generation of listeners. You go back a hundred years, they said, you know, in the 20s, 1920s, they had the backdrop of pandemic and automation, like, you know, the Henry Ford model in the 1920s. Right, and right. Had this surge in radio. It was like mm -hmm. audio one, right? It happened in the 1920s because it created this format to connect people. And here we are, 100 years on, almost living out the same timeline strangely enough but you know different people different technology so that, that's sort of the backdrop of it and trying to make sense of it and so when i had the opportunity to speak to you i was really excited because when i started podcasting in like uh you know when i dipped into it like 14 13 14 years ago i was a wordpress user so you know my first starting point is right okay this is pretty cool blueberry plug in and that's how it all kind of started for me it's like wow somebody's like putting the effort to make this thing right yeah <laughs> so like must have been like tell it i'm really fascinated about your journey like you've been in this for the longest time in, with all due respect you were there before anybody was thinking about podcasting right so how did that start i wasn't it before podcasting but i had an online presence before podcasting as a blogger a very poor one I'd run a bulletin board for years when it was on dial-up and that kind of stuff. But the the short of the answer is I was in Texas in the hotel room, well, doing some stuff for the Navy and heard about podcasting. I heard about Adam Curry and John C. Adam Curry, and who was it? it was uh, Dave Weiner doing the Daily Source Code and uh, heard about this thing called podcasting. I was on movable type at the time from a CMS, wow. so the podcast integration was very difficult. It was very difficult for WordPress in the early days. And then I just uh, started a show as a much better podcaster than I was a blogger. Show grew. I got a book deal in, you know, November of 2004. Book came out in May of 05. But in the meantime, a whole bunch of things happened. Started building a network. June of 05, got a sponsor. From that came the idea for the business. So really it was a, uh, it was pretty much a geek club at the very early start because it was so difficult to do podcasting from a technical standpoint. Hmm. But now, my God, it's completely changed. Well, yeah. And it's so easy now. Back yeah. then, like even to put together like a hosting platform, an RSS feed, these were like technical challenges, not even talking about like editors, right? Right. But even that side, I mean, now it's so yeah. easy. Yeah. And it was to the point where, in those early days, there was no hosting providers. So I had at one time, I think 12 or 13 shared hosting accounts across, maybe I have two or three DreamHost accounts, maybe a couple of Bluehost, a couple of GoDaddy. I had stuff all over the place because I would burn through all my allotted bandwidth on a specific host in three days. So I'd use 500 gigs of traffic. And then, so what I was doing is I was uploading the show to 12 different locations every episode so that all I had to do is change the URL hmm. of be able to keep the show online. So it was, it was really, it was really difficult in the, hmm. in those early days and expensive. 
Right. Yeah, I imagine. You know, because you know, we didn't have AWS then. You no, know. none of that. Time wise as well. What what made you like certain that this was the right thing to do? Like because back then the the resistance, the friction was huge, right? Like well, a lot of people, even people today, people think, Oh, I'm not sure about podcast. But like can you imagine doing with that kind of mindset 15 years ago? Yeah, well, and there's actually 16. So, 16 years ago. <laughs> yeah, and well, Before the iPhone, 16. folks. Yeah, true. So, I, you know, I, when I started the show, I was just kind of doing it for fun. And I came home back to Hawaii from that trip to Texas. And, you know, I tell my wife, I said, we're going to do a podcast. You know what? And she just kind of looked at me sideways and she pointed her finger at me. She says, you got two years to figure out how to make money on this thing because you've done other crazy things that have just been a money pit. You know, it's like buying a boat, throw another thousand dollars at it. So for me, from the very, very, very beginning, I really had to focus on how to make it work, how to commercialize it. And at that time, no one else really was thinking that it was for the art and for the, you know, get your word out and, you know, being pure. And matter of fact, when I announced my book deal, it was on episode 69 of my show. I lost half my audience when I announced that because they sold, said I sold out wow. and took money. I literally, so it was a whole different mindset. So I figured, well, the audience is gone that were mad at me for making money. So now when I announced the book, the, uh, the sponsorship in June, then it won't be such a big deal. This audience has left as left as the ones that understand the, the goal. And when I got the sponsorship, which was one of the very, I don't think it was the first, but it was one of the, you know, one of the very, very early ones. Um, really had no idea what we were doing. We, hmm. yeah, I had no idea how much to charge. And the number I gave was woefully inadequate. But when we came back to do a renewal, that's part of the story is that, you know, they told me how many conversions we'd had for the month. I said, I need to go back and do the math. And I went and didn't back, did the math and came to them with a new number and they agreed immediately. And I knew that I had underbid myself already because we had no guidelines and I threw in a performance component and that really kind of is what saved me. And then the, the, really the crux of the question was asked from that media buyer. She said, Todd, do you know anyone else that want to do advertising mm-hmm. and podcasting? That led to raw voice, which everybody knows is blueberry podcasting. Mm-hmm. So when did you realize that there was a, a, a- proper industry and in advertising for podcasting. It really kind of, you know, we weren't, we weren't thinking about it until really, you know, about July of 2005 is when I figured out there was a potential business model there. Hmm. So I had reached out on my show, which ironically, my, my founders and my company came from my podcast. I said, I need a lawyer. I need a biz dev. I need a programmer and I need a graphics guy. Well, from my show, everyone was there except for the programmer. But the graphics guy knew a, a programmer, and that's how we really got going, was wow. had a meeting from a call out on my show, formed a company, and, and jumped in with both feet. So really, yeah. it's, you know, truly the company has an absolute founding in podcasting because everyone was either listening or doing podcasts that become our founders. Hmm. And here we are. And here we are. Yeah. yeah. It, looking at where we are now, Todd, so much has changed. I mean, in, in, I think probably one of the biggest parts, I mean, apart from the size of it, is that the people who are now part of this industry, really, you know, obviously Spotify are 
definitely a major factor now in this industry. And now we have people like Facebook who are at the periphery, ready to make their play. Obviously, they've done the boombox deal with Spotify. Google really haven't made played their hand, have they? They've sort well, of. I disagree. I think Google, as far as our numbers go, are doing much better. Than Spotify. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And I think it's a lot of it host dependent upon how well Spotify's done. You know, we're about 8% uh, of the 100 plus thousand shows we measure. 8% mm. are tuned okay. in via Spotify. But also our focus, because we have had the plug-in and we push subscribe on Android for so many years before Google coming on the seat, our our podcasters that use our product and service have kind of been trained to know that they have to promote their shows also on Android devices. So when Google jumped in, it really gave us a head start. So for us, Google is higher than Google Podcasts is higher than Spotify. Interesting. At, at Blueberry. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting because you see like Google's podcast offer, you know, like on the web. The interface is like, you know, they haven't really, I mean, but, you know, that's Google UI, isn't it? But it's just another thing, isn't it? It's like, you, you could imagine all that data they could potentially gather. Well, if you look at Google's reach and, and devices, in the United States is about 50-50 Android, 50% iOS, but you get it outside the United States and it goes to more like 75-25, 75% Google, 25% iOS globally. And, and you just have that much more reach and Google podcast, which the app is not necessarily the most important thing in this play mm -hmm. is a big part of it can be played on any, any Android device globally. And that's why mm -hmm. we're seeing such great growth in, in Android globally. But if you look at the, the true value, what Google is bringing to the market is Google is now the number one discovery vehicle podcast. And when people discover podcasts mm -hmm. on from Google, they may list, end up listening on iOS, but the first exposure may be in their browser. Yeah. And yeah. so... That's underrated as well, I feel, that that... Oh. It's, in terms it's, of the it's, SEO potential. Oh, that's be, the game. Uh, that's <laughs> We don't want to let it out, but, you know, that's stuff that I've been experimenting with. No, what it really boils down to is those that understand it. Yeah. You do because you've been using WordPress for many years, but those that understand it, if you, if you think about the finding a podcast title by search, it's no big deal. Hmm. That's easy. Hmm. But finding a episode hmm. is now where you win the game. Hmm. So you, you, I always tell people you don't record for, you record for your audience, you write for Google. Hmm. And when people finally understand that, and their their individual episodes start ranking one, mm. two, three. That's where they really get huge discovery, and it's it's a, it's a long play. Mm. It's and but people that don't have their own websites or host on some third party dot com. If you know if you're if you're hosted on a hosting provider's website and you have all your posts over there, well, you're intermixed with everyone else mm. on that site. So guess what you're now doing? You're you're fight you're you have a hard enough time getting page rank by yourself let alone hmm. having to you know deal with people that are not understanding this value so this is why you know hmm. at blueberry we say own your own .com own your own ip hmm. this is a big part of this and, and our our customers are winning and they are the longest lived shows of any podcast hosting customer out there because their shows are growing is that is a big part of that because they own their own websites or the own Absolutely. websites 
is their own domain. Yeah, uh, it's just discovery is yeah. a major problem right now, isn't it? I mean, everybody. Talks no, about, it's not for not for those that are using right. WordPress. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right, that ended that conversation. Well, yeah. you know, it, it it is a problem, but the majority of podcasters hmm. that are brand new to the space right now, let's be frank, a lot of them are going over and using free options. Free is fantastic, but you when you are in a pool of 1.1 million dead shows around mm. maybe a couple of hundred, 300,000 active shows. How do you, how do you rank with mm-hmm. that stack with that dead content? Mm. But when you're on your own.com, you, you are in charge of your destiny. So, you know, I have to, I got scoffed for years, for years, people would, would blast on me for talking about having your show on your own.com, having control wow. of your RSS feed. Well, I hope and you're now, laughing long now. <laughs> oh, I have been for years. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Like finally, yes, yeah. it's come round. Well, that's the that's that's the thing about. Look, so I'll confess, I graduated with an AI degree in 1995 because I thought I was the bee's knees. Like AI, this is the future. But in 1995, oh, you know, early, what, yeah. <laughs> so I've learned, like, if you're if you're going to be ahead of the market just make sure you can stay solvent long enough right, to enjoy right. telling everybody <laughs> that's the challenge right now the challenge is, is the not challenge. Right. oh yeah i'm ahead of everybody so you know I, i'm really I, i've been doing a lot of work looking at data and you know like how for example the algorithms are working spotify's evolving uh, apple's search algorithm i've been doing a lot of experiments looking at on-store seo looking at what what's working and trying to understand what Spotify's game is as well with search. And, you know, we know up until this point that on-store discovery has been lousy for all the apps, right? I mean, right. Apple is just terrible, really. You know, at the end of the day, I mean, as an app, as a discovery experience, that that really hasn't been conducive to finding what you want. Even like you can't go onto the store and just search for podcasts in the way that you could like on Google. So I've been looking at that and trying to understand what's going on. And it'd be great to get your ideas on this. And I've sort of noticed a few things and would like to kind of hear your thoughts on these. One, one thing I've, I've really noticed generally with people podcasting is that hosts have relied on for the longest time sharing, you know, like, so, so Todd comes on my show and he shares it with his network and then all Todd's fans come and listen to their episodes, but they don't give a crap about John's episode, like they won't listen to him. So that sort of sharing model is becoming less effective. And what's becoming more effective is, well, firstly, like good content, obviously, but what's happening on store. So people discovering, for example, if I'm typing in, you know, like garden furniture podcasts and mine comes up number one, I know that that guy is interested in garden furniture is going to stick around. So I'm noticing like with audience growth, that the organic audience growth approach seems to be almost like going back to the old days of the web, increasingly more important. I don't know what you're seeing from your numbers, whether that sort of corroborates with your experience. Well, nothing's going to beat. Well, first of all, number one, we know that we've already talked about it. Number one discovery vehicle of podcast right now is Google. Number hmm. two is still word of mouth. If, you know, if I say, tell somebody I'm listening and I talk about four or five shows all the time to people and that that's number two. And if you look at, um, you know, if you want to dig down a little deeper in the weeds and how you discover shows, um, I think that, um, 
my endorsement of another show, not an interview, my endorsement as a podcaster endorsing another show carries a lot of weight for my audience as well. So, you know, the, as if you're part of a network and doing cross endorsement of other shows on the network, there's nothing more valuable than that. That's probably number three. And then obviously what's left, then how are people looking for content? And I contend they're not looking in the apps. Hmm. I just don't think they are. You know, they've been trying to solve this. People keep saying there's discovery issues and the apps have, you know, really, when was the last time you searched for a show or search for content in the app of your choice? Um, I don't remember ever doing that. Only my own ones. <laughs> right. And they? if I'm looking, and again, if I'm looking for a topic, yeah. Sometimes I'm not necessarily looking for a topic for a podcast, but I may discover a podcast again, going back to Google. So mm. if I'm listening to, and again, I'm not, a, I don't use Spotify at all. Personally, it, I don't, that's it's a certain age group. I think that likes to use that app. And, you know, I've got uh, coworkers and team members that do, and then they love it. Uh, I think it really boils down to the individuals and you know, really not necessarily how tech savvy they are, but what their goal is. And if you're trying to listen to a specific genre of content, maybe you'll be trying to become a biz better business leader or marketer. Of course, you're going to search out four, five, ten marketing shows. And, you know, that's where maybe you'll go to the app and find a specific line of content. But you really have no idea if those shows are any good until you listen. So I think oftentimes too is, you, you've got to be able to keep listeners once they find you, you know, you've got to be able to get them engaged. And I don't think that always happens in shows. Mm -hmm. There's yeah. There's a lot to learn from radio in terms of engagement, isn't there? That radio seemed to have learned that over a hundred years, how to yeah. speak to people, how to involve people. I know we're not doing phone-ins these days and mailbags, but the, uh, those elements should work, you know, like yeah. talking to the audience and involving them. We don't really do a lot of that, do we, in podcasts? It seems yeah. to be, this is what I want to talk about. Yeah. You know, right. and I think too, the apps, you know, Spotify's and other apps goals is to keep you in the app. Hmm. Just like Amazon. They want you on their website shopping for stuff. When you're on YouTube, they want you to keep on YouTube listening for content. Spotify wants you to keep you listening to music or, or podcasts. They, they, they want that time on app for as an individual customer to go up because number one, it, they make more money against it. They can raise more money if they have to raise more money by saying they've got more listener time listening. All these things. And also people then get maybe sick and tired of listening to the ads. So they pay for premium. So it's in the app's benefits to become better presenters of content they think we may be interested in. For me, it hasn't worked because I don't use their app potentially someone that's using Spotify app are discovering shows. Hmm. Spotify would be the one to answer that question. Mm, absolutely. Where, where do we go from here, Todd, in the sense of you've seen from beginning to the end, I'll say the end, to the end of the first chapter, second chapter. Um, well, what's the next part of, what's, where do you think we're going with podcasting next? Well, where we have to go is grow. We have to grow shows. We have to grow audiences. We have to monetize those 97% of shows that are not monetized. Mm. So how do you do that? Well, you either grow big audiences or you have niche content or you get money for maybe dinner money. 
you know, depending on how big your show is. Hmm. So I think what we have to do and, you know, big focus of ours is really, you know, what can we do to help podcasters grow their shows? Now there's an agenda there. If they're growing their show and becoming more successful, guess what they do? They continue hmm. to pay their hosting bill. Hmm. They continue to stay subscribers of the, of the service. So for us, I think we're really focused on internally on helping independent podcasters grow their shows at the same time there's going to be potentially more consolidation. There's going to be more acquisitions. A lot of companies are trying to position themselves to be acquired, you know, and, uh, and it's really building up bottom lines for us. You know, we're self-funded. We, we don't owe anybody any money. We're a profitable company. So I think that until someone comes to us with a big enough check with enough zeros and the right attitude, you know, I think we're going to continue to be focused on helping content creators. Mm. But I think in the end, the space really has to start paying attention to these podcasters mm. grow their shows. Absolutely. So somebody put me onto a podcast that I had to check out that had the highest Patreon subscriptions. It was a podcast called Dungeons and Daddies, which was a podcast run by five, I think, middle-aged Dungeons and Dragons players. And the funny, like there was four guys and one woman doing it. And uh, these guys are doing 170,000 a month in Patreon donations, 12,000 um, subscribers. What was really interesting is that that community, they, they just like really involved the community in everything that they did. They did their life elements. Sure. And, you know, they really, that they grew from all of that, you know, from literally you know, 20 listeners in the beginning to where they are now. And then I saw, I was, I was sort of doing the research for this and I was saying, that's really interesting, like this whole sort of tabletop gaming moving into podcasting because it was like, you know, tabletop gaming's really boomed in the last 18 months because of the pandemic, right? And then it's a certain age group as well. And then I was looking around and I saw like um, Jeff Goldblum has inked deal with, I don't know the production company, but they're doing... Pod, a Dungeons and Dragons podcast where he's going to be a character, and these are these are live acted. It's all edited down, but, right? Right. And then I thought, well, that, isn't that interesting? Now you've got this situation where let, let's say you take all those sort of role playing podcasts, and there's loads of them, and they're all sort of very amateur, and they're they're the ninety seven percent you talk about, Todd. Like they're just doing it for the love of it, and if they get hundred listeners, two hundred listeners, it's fantastic. And yet now you've got these big entities coming in with money and then you're getting Jeff Goldblum actors, Hollywood actors in, into this space. And then to my, my question to you is then that doesn't that make audience growth even harder? Because you know, no. how, how do you help do you grow a podcast when you don't have Jeff Goldblum? All ships rise together. It's, it's the more exposure, the more mainstream folks are doing podcasting. They're not, they're not going to own all the audience. And, and, and the example I'd like to give is I'll take us back to the beginning in 2005. There was 13 shows and we formed a tech network. Still exists, techpodcast.com. And what we agreed to do was we knew we were doing family safe content. We all had, we all liked each other. We liked each other's content. We all did, some of us did something similar. Some of us did something a little different, but we basically, um, cross-promoted each other to the point where our audiences hmm. really 
really kind of merged. There was this, this tight cohesiveness. And we had some people were listening to two or three shows in the network. Some were listening to four. Some people left my show to go to their show, but some people left their show to come to mine. It, you know, it was a, a good mix. And, and we grew the show and we all rose together mm. and, and grew that to about 11 million downloads a, a month. Now, in today's math, because we really had rudimentary measurement skills, then they were probably more like 5 million. But I, I think what it is, is podcasters have to learn to use every trick in the book to be able to go along with this tide that is mm. happening of growth. And you just can't podcast. You just can't record a show and be done. That's not sufficient today to build a show. And I think I've got 13 or 15 things that I typically try to train over you know, over periods of time to podcasters and what they have to do. Hmm. Give us a, I'm not going to do all 13 or 15. Just give us a handful of them. That Because I think people don't realize they have to do something after they, they think they've done the work with production, right? Let's say they've hit episode 50 and depending on where they are in the country, they might be able to call their local television station and say, hey, I just hit episode 50. Would you like to feature me? Hmm. And if you have four or five stations in a community, call them all. If one bites, which what happened to me when I was in Hawaii one bit they come out spent time at the house they did three hours worth of videotaping for a two-minute segment and that was a little boost going out and doing interviews at conventions and meeting people got me on the BBC call list hmm. so I now I get called at two o'clock in the morning and they still call me for BBC Asia you want to talk can you talk about this topic for three minutes you know I shake the cobwebs out of my head and Say, yes, I can talk about it and Google the topic, even if I don't know anything about it. It's that kind of stuff and putting yourself out there to get exposure and building authority. Um, so, again, these big names, when Larry King, I think, matter of fact, I think he's passed away. When, when uh, he was promoting, and if he hasn't, I apologize. I, but when he was doing podcasts as part of his television, he was talking about it every, every episode. Yeah. And what did that do? It, it, ra- it raised awareness of podcasting. And we have a whole world of people that have not experienced podcasting yet. Huh. So I, I think there's huge, there's huge growth. And there's, there's three point some million podcasts in the, in the po- podcast directory, but only about 400 or 500,000 of those are active. Huh. So the ability to compete is really low. I huh. mean, it's really easy to succeed if you put your mind to it. Huh. If you hustle. Oh, you got to hustle. I call uh, it the grind. Yeah, it's the grind. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good name for a podcast itself. Yeah. (laughs) I think exactly. You know, it's it's like writing a book as well, isn't it? It's one of those things where it's such a, there's so much energy that goes into the content creation that you you can easily be seduced into thinking you've done your work once it's published. But a, a podcast can turn into a book. Right. So that's another thing too. You know, you this this thing we're doing here, you know, this could end up in a book. It's yeah. it's a that is the process on which um, you know, what do you do to write a book? You write an outline. Mm. Once you're writing an outline, the book is wrote because you wrote the outline, you know what you're gonna talk about. It's easy to write the book once you do the outline. Mm. This is the outline. <laughs> you know. So Agile, as they say. It is. Yeah. It is. But again, it's you have in some shows, let's that's not also let's also recognize fifty percent of shows don't care. Mm. They're just hanging out, having a beer with yeah, their buddy yeah. or having a glass of wine with their girlfriend. And that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. There's no rules. I love it. I think it's, it's really exciting. And I, I think it's been, you know, it, it's been great to see 
the this surge in the last couple of years because it's sort of vindication in many ways. Um, you know, I wasn't there in 2000, 2005, six on the commercial side, like hustling it like you. Um, you know, I was just the consumer. So, you know, if it didn't work out, it didn't work out. But for you, you kind of like, you know, you bet yourself on it as well. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I think it must have been for you. It must be great now seeing, I know the US is pretty much already hit that curve some years ago, but seeing other markets now, people talking about it, it must be good for you to see that. Thinking, you know, yeah, I, I think what we've seen is podcasting grow very steady with some inflection points. Obviously, the introduction of podcasts into Apple, uh, into iTunes in 2005, the introduction of the iPhone, the introduction of the podcast app on the iPhone, Spotify, ain't, uh, not I mean, Serial uh, and all these things that kind of help boost mm. the podcast space. Now, the pandemic is going to play an interesting role because, and it could ultimately be negative in the, in the short term. It's been fantastic because, you know, we, we haven't slept since March of last year. It's been crazy. We've been busy because everyone's doing two, three shows, but everyone has mm. all this time on their hands because they've been locked down, right? They've been in their house, can't go anywhere. Got to have something creative to do. Let's do a couple more podcasts. Well, soon with the vaccines going around soon, gymnastics is going to be open, ball games, softball, after school programs, all, life is going to be back on and you're going to be spending time in your car again. So will that extra time we had, those two, three hours of extra time we had every day now be gone because of life? And will people hmm. abandon podcasts they started during the pandemic because they had extra time? Time will tell on that. Um, maybe they won't post as frequently. So this will be the challenge when, hmm. when life as we know it starts to get back to normal. Yeah. I think the genie's out the bottle, so we're 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 not going back. Well, we're not going back, but I'm just wondering if this pace is going to yeah, slow yeah. down. Yeah. Well, so, you know, I, I'm not sure on the consumer side, but certainly on the business side, if you look at podcasting as a business communications tool, that is only going forward. And I think that's possibly one of the most underestimated right. aspects because it's you know you're talking about a hundred billion dollars spent on communications a year you know, press releases effectively and everything that comms people do, you know, reports, white papers, breakfast analyst lunches, all that kind of stuff, which is sort of shifting like very slowly into podcasting. And that's going to be very interesting because, you know, everybody talks about podcasting as an advertising play, which is fine because that really is essential for consumers. But there's this other area as well, which we haven't right. really fully sort of, you know, realize the potential of, but that's going to be interesting as well. And maybe, you know, the pandemic just expedites everything there. Definitely seen a huge increase of companies wanting to do private internal communications. Now, some people mm. have VPNs and everything, and they have already a platform, but what they're finding is, is they want, you know, once they leave the office or walk away from their desk, it's more difficult to consume mm. content that the companies put out. So private podcasting has become a bigger thing since the mm. pandemic because they want a secure way of communicating with their with their team members everything from financial reports to ceo mm. messages to hr training all that stuff can be done you remember podcasting has a video component as well most people forget that and so we're seeing a lot of companies that are doing audio and video podcasts privately and making mm. those available either through uh oauth or a standard username login Mm, yeah, this is really interesting. It's the less sexy stuff. But yeah, it's, it's, it's money, back to the it? nerdy stuff. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's the fireside. It's the water cooler. 
You know, yeah. the, the amount of money companies have wasted on these sort of off-sites and training days. You know, this is a better way of doing things. Hey, Todd, it's been a real pleasure speaking to you. I've really enjoyed this chat, and it's great to see, dare I say, a legend in the industry. Well, I appreciate um, that. You make my head get big here. Yeah. <laughs> well, I imagine there was a time when it wasn't so big, when, you know, like your wife was beating you for, like, what the hell are you doing with this podcasting thing, Todd? So, right, don't worry, it's going to come around eventually. <laughs> so, you know, you, you, can, you can enjoy it. You know, you, you make your hay, as they say. Well, so, you know, it's, it's fun and, and, and the adventure continues and we're yeah. always trying to work hard. But uh, thanks for having me on. Definitely appreciate the time. You've been listening to The Age of Audio with me, Graham Brown, from the award-winning podcast agency, Pickle & Co. To get access to all the audio conversations and book content for The Age of Audio, go to www.theageofaudio.com. One more time, theageofaudio.com.